Hello, welcome there, friend. This is Jesus Smart, the podcast. Brian Del Turco here. You're listening to episode number 80. And my friend, this is going to be the second part of a dynamic kingdom conversation with Dr. Lewis F. Kayaton. Please go back and hear part one, episode 79, as well as listen to this episode, episode 80. And what I want to tell you is that the world that Jesus brings to us, that is his realm, his kingdom, after all, he said, when you're born again, you begin to see the kingdom in John chapter three, and then you begin to enter into kingdom reality, kingdom dynamic living. It's an abundance mindset. It's creative. It's restorative. There is no lack. It's solution-minded. Our best attempts to string together phrases like I've just done there are wholly inadequate to describe the breadth and the length, the height and the depth of Jesus' kingdom, his world, and that territory that we can begin to press into aggressively and possess that inheritance in a practical way, in a manifested way in our lives. There's so much here in this conversation in both episodes 79 and 80. Please pass it along. It's there's there's just too much not to share. And I would encourage you to go back and listen again to parts that really grab you, even whole episodes. Enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Dr. Lewis F. Kayaton. You have to be committed from the time your eyes wake um, to the time you lie down at night. You have to be committed to this connected connection to the craft of the kingdom and this apprenticeship, as you will, as you said, and to be able to now initiate that in not only your own life, but to uh, release that into those that you intersect with throughout the day. Yes. I love what you said about Psalms 139, you know, those pages of destiny that have been written, you yes. know, yeah, I love days that too. were ordained for us. And, you know, you've heard it said that, look, everything that you need is in the Bible. And it's, it's, it's true in a real sense. Like you can find a promise in the word for almost any solution or problem or challenge. But I would like to hear a little bit of talk too about, there's another book as well. This book that is written in Psalms 139 before we were conceived, you know, these pages of destiny, the days that were ordained for us. And we don't know what's all on those pages. We may know some of it. We may have lived some of it so far. Mm-hmm. We don't yeah. know everything that's on it. Right. It needs to be revealed to us. I like what you're saying about what you said at the top about asking the Holy Spirit to, to reveal to me today more of that. And I'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit now and position myself, you know, get that tuning fork vibrating and get, get synced up. Can we pray those pages? Can we prophesy those pages even though we don't know everything that's on them? By well, we faith? Have, let's ask the question. Why did God write them down? <laughs> God doesn't write things for them not to happen. Okay. Can we it say that? It must be important. Yeah, it must be important. Yeah. I mean, you know, he wrote the Ten Commandments. Uh, you know, when I, Jesus wrote in the dirt, we don't know what he wrote, but... It must have been powerful. Something happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when God writes these pages into our hearts, they are historical documents. They become... Legal documents. Legal in nature. Yeah. yeah. Authoritative. Written. They've become evidence that can be submitted in the court of debate of God's will and the will of this God of this world. Yeah. And you can then take those pages and say to the enemy, but God said. And 
what God said always supersedes what you think, what I think, what others have said about us or say to us. That's why it's vital to know what the Word of God has to say, to follow that spirit connection, knowing that the Word of God, the Bible, is not just a daily reading plan, but it is the communication of God's heart to you. It's His Spirit. So when you're receiving the Word, you are receiving His Spirit into you. So the average Christian today, I, I forget the latest Gallup poll figures, but the percentages of the average Christian in America reading their Bible daily is just way low, 20-some percent. Uh, so 80% are running on empty. Mm. See what I'm saying? Absolutely. And we have, yeah. we've dialed it down. It to sounds live. old school, but it yeah. just, we just can't get around it. We've dialed it down to live on that level, and we're doing well. Many of us are doing well. But what are we missing that, and how much better can we live? Now, the days that were ordained, it says in Psalms 139 for us, are written on those pages. So you're saying that we can go before the God and say, God, everything that's on those pages, you know, reveal it to me as you want to. Mm -hmm. Layer mm -hmm. it into me day by day, week by week as you want to. Mm -hmm. But I just pray what's on those pages, that it would be materialized, that it would happen. Absolutely. I prophesy what's on those pages. I proclaim it. Absolutely. Now, are you willing to share, Pastor Louie, about your recent uh, faith victory experience with cancer? And I think that this has application here because there are pages that are ordained for you, mm -hmm. of course. And if all of those pages are not yet lived out, then they're, they're in that book and it's legal and it's written, as you say. But you were sharing with me earlier, you've been quite on a faith journey and have learned many, many things through this experience. Are you willing to share some of that? Of course, uh, absolutely. To God be the glory, you know. January 2018, I was diagnosed with bladder cancer, had three large tumors in my, can in my bladder, requiring removal of those in March of that year. Went on chemotherapy. My body so uh, crashed, my blood counts, white blood cells, uh, red blood cells were so low okay. that the doctor literally said, if we don't get you off this chemo, and go to surgery, it will kill you before the cancer ever has a chance. So I was very weak, very sick, and uh, recovered from the chemo and went into surgery and had what they call a radical cystectomy. Mm -hmm. And I won't get into all the details of that, but uh, today after my second six-month checkup, it was one year ago that I was uh, out of the hospital, I've been declared cancer-free, no reoccurring cancer. Y yes. And so uh, it's a victory story. Yep. However, the last 16 to 18 months have been quite the spiritual journey where many of the things that we're talking about um, actually materialized in my life. Because you ask questions like, Father, did you write this in my book that mm. I was supposed to have cancer? Okay. In 2018 of January? Mm. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me? I didn't even know that. And why me? What did I do? And then all of the indoctrinations come to our mind, whether it's because you had sin in your life or it's because you didn't do this or that or you're disobedient. Now, you know, now can I ask, Pastor Louis, yeah. would you see that? As, because there are some who believe that, yes, that was written in those pages mm -hmm. that God ordained it, actually. I mean, mm -hmm. there are some who actually believe that. Yes. Or do you believe, like, I want to say that this was an alien script which invaded was inserted into that narrative, mm -hmm. you know, a foreign alien script from the enemy. Yes. Which, of course, God knew it would happen, but it was not his original script for it to happen. 
Absolutely. Is, is that where you're at? Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, God did not give me cancer. Right. But the fall of man, you know, the... The, 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 the consequences of the, the fall. The consequences of the fall. Yes. Uh, the deformities of life, if you will, yep. the diseases on the earth. Yep. Uh, we become susceptible to those. And for whatever reason, I won't give the background as to what the doctor thinks, because I didn't really fit the profile. And he kept saying that to me. You yeah. don't fit the profile for this particular cancer. Nonetheless, I had that. But I believe that it was an enemy's attempt to steal, kill, and, of course, to destroy. Mm -hmm. uh, my immediate reaction was my faith will arise, and Tina as well. I'll never forget the day that we were in the waiting room and the doctor called her in to tell her that the tumors were cancerous and this is the beginning of your journey and what you should probably, what protocols you should follow. On our drive home, our responses were, our faith must arise. That is the antidote to this. Now there are protocols in the medical world and we followed them. Yeah. But we relied on our faith rising. There are spiritual protocols, kingdom protocols, yes. which transcend are superior to. Is that what yes, you're saying? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we, we studied those, and uh, we, we spoke of Dr. Oral Roberts of the City of Faith Hospital with the two praying hands, doing all that you can do so that God can take over where you can do no yeah, more. Yeah, the one hand being medicine, the other one being bit, faith yeah. and prayer. And we adopted that principle. Yeah. So I began doing everything physically that I could do. Okay. And, uh, but spiritually, believing God for the miracle and believing God for the healing. I was not healed of the cancer before surgery. I had surgery. Right. Um, and my doctor said to me, and I asked for the, the Holy Spirit to reveal in, to me whether he wanted me to do the surgery by confirmation. And my doctor said, the, the, the pathway to cure and longevity of life is surgery. And I said, well, Lord, let everything be established in the mouths of two or three witnesses make him say that two more times on two different more occasions. Okay. And he did. And All on right. the third time, one week prior to the surgery, which I still wasn't sure I was going to take, um, he said the pathway to cure and longevity of life is the surgery. And I received that as peace in my soul to move forward. So you, you did your due diligence in I did prayer diligence. and asking yeah. to hear the voice of God. And mm -hmm. yeah. But in the journey, I looked for the interventions of the Holy Spirit. Yep. The crafting of the kingdom. I wanted to work my craft in this experience. Mm. There's there's a way to there's a way to repair an automobile if you're a craftsman. There's a way to repair an automobile if you're Googling it. <laughs> right? If you're on YouTube watching a video. <laughs> exactly. You may or may not get it to work. But <laughs> I wanted to be schooled during the season and taking the craftsmanship of the kingdom and lay it on this grid of my cancer journey. Mm. And he began to expose and to reveal through natural uh, experiences his hand upon my life. For example, when we went into the chemotherapy at the uh, uh, Cleveland Clinic, it's a very intimidating building all white walls, white floors, music playing, everybody dressed in white. And I, we prayed prior to going and we said, Lord, give us a sign that Holy Spirit, we are following the right path. And we walked into the room, she said, this will be your room today where you receive the chemotherapy. 
the number on that room was 777. <laughs> and I stopped and I began to weep. And I took a picture of it for, mm. for my record. Yeah. And Tina and I looked at each other and we held each other for a moment and said, that is not a coincidence that out of 15 rooms down this hallway, yeah. this is the room that we were assigned. Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit was showing us that God's perfect plan is being done in my life. Number of rest and completion, of completion. in triplicate. Yeah, triplicate. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's, that's one of them. Uh, the other one was uh, I was praying in the Holy Spirit one morning and God led me to Isaiah about the double anointing. I think it's Isaiah 58, the double blessing, the double portion. Okay. And I went out for my little walk in the morning, very weakened state, and I was in a flight path of an airport. And all of a sudden, I saw this plane flying extremely low. It scared me. I thought maybe it was crashing or something. And I looked up, and it was a yellow-bodied plane, and it said spirit on it. Okay. And I went, oh, that's interesting. I said, wow, that's kind of like Holy Spirit. I didn't think anything of it. Within about 120 seconds, another airline plane came across, same height, same level, same color, spirit airlines, and it was the double anointing. And I had read that ah. in the morning, and I saw these two planes overhead. I was going... Fingerprints, from, right, of, of fingerprints the Holy Spirit. Another one, chemotherapy. Touching you. Uh, getting ready to go to my doctor. And uh, it was the National Day of Prayer, May 5th. Okay. Um, I walked to, to get in the car, and I see this cloud in the sky. It's blue as can be. One cloud, it looked like a G. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that cloud is, gee, that's, that's amazing. And I said, Tina, come see this cloud. And then all of a sudden there's an O that forms. And I realize it's a plane that's riding in the sky. Oh, my goodness. And I look up again, it's God. It says God. I said, Tina, you got to come out here. Hurry up. Before we go, you got to see this. And it, he ended up writing out, God loves you. As I was getting in the car to go to the doctor, going through this very tumultuous time, very weak very nauseous, sick, mm. uncertain of my future. It was as if God wrote in the sky, mm. just for me, mm. God loves you. Mm. I have about 12 or 15 of those. Time wouldn't allow us to wow. tell them of the intervention of the Holy Spirit. It is the crafting mm -hmm. of the kingdom that you're looking for mm. this fingerprint of God, the kisses from heaven, if you mm -hmm. will, mm -hmm. the the love from God in your life, in your moment, to encourage you. Um, I don't listen to country music. I never did. I do now. I've been, I've been indoctrinated. There's some revelation in it, isn't there? I got there? a revelation. All right. I turned on my car, and the radio station was on a country station. I don't know who was driving it that left it on there, but it wasn't me. And there was a song on there that says, everything's going to be all right. And... Uh, don't go pushing the panic button. I forget the rest of the words. But basically the song talks about you got this and you're, you're going to make it because it's not as bad as it seems. Well, that was right after one of my doctor appointments. I was driving home and I just wept in my car because the Lord was again encouraging me. Mm. So these are the things that I experienced during that time. Now. I had the surgery. It was 11-hour surgery. I had a 10-day stay in the hospital. Uh, I was very weak, could walk baby steps, 
took four to six months recovery. But this morning, I'm doing well. I've learned a lot about prayer. I shared that with you. If we have time, I could share that. But all of those experiences are God's reversal of an illegal insertion of a page that was not written by his hand. And God knows what's not been scripted for you. Amen. The question is, do you? You need to hear that. And if you don't know it's not been scripted for you, then you'll insert it. You'll live a false narrative. And you will live accordingly. But you've got to take that page and rip it out and say, not on my watch. Yep. That was not God's hand, and I refuse it for my life. Mm. Mm. Yeah, (laughs) you've got to know it because you can live a false script. You surely can. You can live a false narrative. And you can go to heaven yeah, and, of course. And, and live an inferior narrative on the way. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I was talking with Ken Roberts about this. And, you know, it says that, you know, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, you know, at that time. And, and I, what are those tears? Why would there be tears, you know, at that time? In what sense are there tears? And we were speculating that perhaps one of the reasons at least could be that unrealized potential living well beneath all of a sudden having an understanding of what we had available to us and yet live so far beneath it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is that, I don't want to run the risk, you know. I would, I want to try to live a life where I minimize that risk of crying over that, you know. Wow. No regrets, you know. No regrets. It's sort of like saying goodbye to a loved one. and Boy, I wish I would have spent more time with Dad or I wish I would have spent more time with my spouse. You live a life of no regrets because you capture the moments. You're, you're not adrift on the currents of life, but rather you are under power with a rudder and you're at the helm. The rudder, which is your tongue, right? Yes. The wind in your sails is the spirit, but you've got to steer the thing. You have to steer it. You're at the helm. And you can go upstream if need be. You can tack against the wind. Absolutely. If there are adversarial winds, we had a recent episode about that where you can, a good, a good sailor in a sailboat can tack against the wind. Absolutely. But the, but the key is the rudder. And the Lord impressed on me several months ago, Pastor Louis, stay in the rudder zone. Yeah. Be very Ooh, like strategic that. and intentional. Speak, you know, and keep speaking and don't allow that rudder to get above that water line where you're yeah. not using it. Yeah. And certainly don't use it in a negative way mm. where you steer your, steer your boat in a, in, a, in a bad direction. But um, now you, you, you said you were learning new understandings, deeper levels of prayer understanding. What, what do you mean there? Well, prayer actually pulled me through this experience. I've, level, I've, I've understood now the level of prayer on a, on, a, on a place that I've never known prior to my cancer experience and how important it is the people that pray for you. And the Lord gave me an analogy that your life in a weakened state is like a piece of thread. Okay. It can never penetrate a cloth on its own. And I was in a weakened state. When we need prayer desperately, you feel very limp. You feel very powerless. And, but when you thread that needle, when you take that thread and put it through the eye of the needle, it becomes very powerful because now the needle and its sharpness and accuracy can penetrate the cloth yes. where the thread on its own could never do that. Right. So your prayer for me 
was threading my life through the eye of your intercession, and you penetrated where I could not go myself. Okay. You pulled me through. I was in a, and I explained it, I was like in a dark, dark place, and I could see a pinhole of light. I knew where I came from, but I didn't know how to get back. That's mm. how I felt emotionally. That's how mm. I felt spiritually. I felt as though that I was losing my life. I was holding on, but I didn't know where to go. And prayer pulled me through into that pinhole and brought me out of that canopy of uncertainty and darkness. Without it, I don't know that I would have ever made it. It is to the credit of God's people who understand the power of intercession on behalf of another that brings us into a place that we cannot get to ourselves. I see. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to yeah. pray for one another. And, and like, so it's like targeted, it's precise, it's penetrating. Very accurate prayers. You know, a person that... You don't want to pray vague, generalized prayers, do you? Or no. prayers that are unscriptural. You want to pray the Word of God. You want to make declarations. But faithful intercession on behalf of a suffering one is, is a really an apostolic prayer. Jesus said this to Peter. He said, I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. He didn't pray. He didn't say, well, I prayed for you that you won't make those stupid assertions and make those dumb statements. <laughs> no, he said, I just pray that your faith won't fail because you're going to go through the human experiences. But my prayer for you on the other side is that your faith will still be strong. And obviously, Peter found that place of faith. He was restored after he denied the Lord. And he birthed helped birth the church yeah. in the book of Acts. Yeah. Thousands of people saved. Yeah. Became Key you voice. Know, a powerful agent of God. Sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Mm, the importance of that. So do you think, um, you know, there's four different types of heart soil. Jesus, when they were struggling to understand the parable of the sower, I like, the, I like the one account, the one gospel account says it's sowing the word of the kingdom. The seed is the word of the kingdom. Think Luke, maybe. When they're asking him behind the scenes, his disciples, <laughs> he says, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand all the parables? So the parable of the sower, would you agree, seems to be foundational in some sense. Absolutely. Or primary. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So primary, there's, these, there's sure. these four heart soil responses, of course. With, there's the shallow soil where there's not enough root. There's the thorny soil. The soil beside the pathway where the birds of the air steal the word of the kingdom before it even has any kind of a chance to germinate. But then the good soil, of course, it says they took it in, they held it, they, they brought forth fruit. So would you say that in the church today or just in humanity, there's obviously different responses to this kingdom potential? And, and even those who are good soil, there's different levels of response 30, 60, and 100. And I have found myself, I need to do it more consistently, but I found myself sometimes as I'm engaging the word, asking God for a hundredfold return yes. on it. But are there these, it seems there are these, it would be a 3,000%, 6,000, and 10,000% response mm. to the germination of kingdom potential. Yes. And I, I want to be a 10,000 percenter, I guess. Me too. And you I know. think that every person has the, uh, my, my approach is every person 
has a potential for 10,000%. Yes, I believe that. Um, and now I'm not going to put all the responsibility on the person or the soil. I'm going to ask for a, a consideration of another perspective. Okay. Um, when a farmer looks at his soil and he realizes his harvest is uh, critical to his well-being, mm -hmm. he knows that the preparation of that soil mm -hmm. is vital to the harvest that he seeks. And I remember my father early in my life teaching me to put lime on his lawn. I didn't know what lime on the lawn was for, but there's a certain treatment of the chemical of lime that sweetens the soil that creates a better environment for the grass to grow. Okay. So here's what I'm saying. Who is the vineyard, vineyardman? Who is the farmer? Who is the one that has not prepared the soil? Is it the individual or is there some responsibility to churches, denominations, Absolutely. pastors, yeah, community others yeah. who have taught erroneously and have created a hardness like the side of the road or thorny uh, or, or just did not receive the word where others have become very receptive to the word. So I think that there is more responsibility than just the individuals whose heart has not been prepared. We have a responsibility of the community of faith. Of, I mean, when you think about it, I try to be very selective in who I submit myself to, in hearing and in visual. That goes for media, movies, music, uh, etc. But it also goes through the influences of people. I realize that you become selective in the in the church world, if you will, absolutely. of who you submit to by, by submitting your meaning, the inputs, inputs, the teachings, allowing them to influence me, allowing them to influence you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I believe that they can, my heart can become, my soil can become tainted. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of the old teaching of uh, a Bible teacher years ago that talked about the defilement of an evil report. Yeah. You may have nothing against me at all. You really liked me. I was one of your best friends until someone else came up and told you a story about me that you didn't know that I presumably had done something and it defiles you. And now you looked at me differently through yeah. a different perspective because your soil has been tainted or your mind has been sure. tainted towards sure. you. So polluted, I think it's polluted. all of those things yep. are important. Yep. Uh, that's Not only I, erroneous teaching, but like teaching an error by commission, but teaching an error by omission. Omission. Huge piece right there. Huge piece. That's why... Half-spectrum Christianity, I call it now. Yeah, those that work on that apostolic prophetic level, their assignment now is to go into that region of the stony ground. Yeah, as a voice. and That hard story. Yes, yeah, as, a, yeah, to, as a messenger. Yeah, to, to create a harvest. Yeah. The word apostolos primarily means, firstly, messenger. Yes. But we know it has these traits, as we've, as you've said, of like penetrating virgin territory and bringing the order of God, the design of God, higher design. Setting the apprenticeship of the kingdom up. Yeah. All of those things, yeah. So it's important. I mean, so we need these heralding voices in our lives, don't we? Yes. The, the, you know, to herald or to preach means to like herald or to publish forth the sounds, the message of God. We have to have quality heralding yes, it do. in our lives. Yes, do we do. need multiple voices? 
Yeah. Oh, Do we yeah. need several? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think that the multitude of counsel, there's great Like wisdom. a spectrum of apostolic yeah. inputs. Yeah, yeah. Paul seemed to tell the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when they were saying, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. He actually says that all of these apostolic giftings belong to you mm, yes. at the end of chapter 3. Mm-hmm. They all belong to you. The world belongs to you. Life belongs to you. Death belongs to you. It all, everything belongs to you. <laughs> Jesus seems to think that we own everything. Um, but so, it, I mean, I just take away from that that we need a spectrum of key apostolic voices. I don't know, two, three, four? Well, I don't know Heralding the number, voices. but I do know that it's on various levels, not only in spiritual authority, but also in peer relationships. You know, you want to have peer relationships that echo or speak. There's a resonance there. On the same yeah, yeah. level you're, of you're, the apostolic you're, authority. Absolutely. Yeah. And then your subordinate, it's what you do. It's what you teach. It's what you pass on. You know, legacy is very powerful, and perhaps sometime we could talk about that. Sure. But, you know... I have 15 grandchildren, I have six great-grandchildren, and my grandson, Dion, who uh, was on the worship team at Bethel in Reading for many years, he now has left, he's gone to Portland, got married, and his daughter, I mean, his wife is pregnant with two babies, they're having twins. Wow. A boy and a girl. Part of my prayer this morning was, with my apostolic authority, was speaking life over those two children that they would form normally in their mother's womb have a normal birth that they would have a jesus encounter be saved that i called forth their godly spouse into their life and their future Mm. that they may populate the earth with righteous seed Mm. now they're being she's four months pregnant but my apostolic role in my subordinates yes is to release my apostolic authority into their life however they're their grandmother, I'm the great-grandfather, my daughter Mary and her husband okay. now have also they have a authority level too. of influence, yeah. as well as now Dion and Christina. As parents. As parents. Yeah. And then now, as the two children are learning and being exposed to this craft of the kingdom, yeah, yeah. have now responsibility for their own life. They are the prophet of their own life. Absolutely. All of this is influential, and I think it changes the soil. I think we can become... 10,000%. It's a good, great additional point you made there that it's not just the responsibility of the individual heart, but the one who is cultivating or speaking over, you know, that field. One time Paul calls the Corinthians, he says, you are God's field, you know, calls him, you're God's building, but you're also God's field. And of course he is like the farmer. <laughs> yeah. And your sphere of influence. We all have a sphere. Would you encourage people to to really do an inventory of the voices that are speaking into their lives? You know, that's probably paramount at that point at this point in your life. You have to look at what are the influences? What are the major influences in my life? And you know, we all have various live influences. You take your life and kind of list them around you in a circle, whether it's work, it's family, it's friends, it's church community, wherever. And at what level are those individuals speaking? And what, are the, what is the dialogue? What is the content of the dialogue? And if you were to assess it, you'd say, well, it's, is it spiritual or is it non-spiritual? Yeah. I, I think you have to be a little more specific and not so, quite so vague. Is this kingdom concepts uh, or is it not? Is it worldly concepts? 
mm. uh, is yeah. it self-concepts yeah. that I'm hearing and being influenced by. I remember when I first started in ministry years and years ago, a wise uh, superintendent of the Assemblies of God okay. asked me, tell me the books that you were reading and I'll tell you the path that you were walking. Yeah, yeah, sure. And that's so true. That's true. And it's the same with now. People have to have these influences. You have to take a value. You have to evaluate it. You are responsible for your own life situation. You can't blame other people. We make our choices. We live with them, obviously. But you can position yourself in the right places. And we, Tina and I, have got to the place where we, we just don't do that anymore. We just won't submit ourselves to that atmosphere that is counter culture kingdom yeah we just won't do it we won't we won't participate in it or we won't dialogue in it and we won't allow we'll be kind in those moments but we will turn a deaf ear yeah i have discovered those seasons where i'm more intense about let's say the word or prayer or really seeking god that stuff that's normally around me starts to really agitate me and disillusion me like mm. inputs from media for example yeah and i can't really partake of it because i feel it's taking away from that season i you know of higher input higher level of you know it what i mean absolutely does you're more sensitized to it it's, it's like a counterculture i was watched you know i was around that or wasting my time with that it, it, it almost feels that way and um and, and, and it's a, actually some of the stuff, is, it's not overt. It's not vile and wicked. It's just maybe neutral or a waste of time, you know? Yeah. Or course. maybe mildly offensive. I don't know. But anyway, I, I concur going, 100%. Instead of going through seasons like that, we need to, I need to string together seasons and make it more of a just a, <laughs> yeah, well, a flight, we, a high flight yeah, all the way. We all, you know, you can't be, you can't have the, the pedal to the metal you know, uh, <laughs> all the time. It, it's sort of like, it's sort of like we're in it. And you have to back off and go get some rest. And you have yeah. to contemplate and you have to digest. I know. I, see, I've recently come through like a two or three week season like that. I, I got hit from behind. I got this vertigo in my left ear. And it really put me in a low gear. Sure it will. And so, but what I use it for, the silver lining is that the golden lining is that, you know, I'm taking in these inputs from these voices, you know, like about faith and about healing and about, and I'm getting blessed, you know, and I'm feeling edified on the inside while I'm resting and getting over this. And, um... So that's the most recent experience of a season. <laughs> you know, when you take the scripture, forced, what forced the devil to lay down. meant for evil, yeah. God turns for good. So I always tell people, in the evil, in that negative moment, really seek out the turning for the good. Yeah, yeah, good. And wow. it's there, because so that's what God's word says. Yeah. And had an experience this week where Tina called me, and the right front tire of our car just fell apart, and she got the car off the highway, luckily, blessed, moved over to the side. Okay. Took her three hours for the AAA to get there. We had to replace four tires. Ended up costing, you know, $1,000. And I'm like, okay, this is negative. But in the middle of that, her attitude and my attitude was, this is exciting. I can't really wait to see the turning for good. <laughs> yeah. What is going to be the turning for good? And, of course, we have our own testimonies on that and it we did find it we did find the okay. bottom line is it showed up i yep. took a thousand dollars out of my savings that depleted me but that's 
that's not important because the good was found in the negative and in the evil. Okay. Yep. So I can concentrate on the fact that it took $1,000 out of the savings, that took three hours for the AAA to get there, that why does this happen to us, and what's wrong, God, don't you know what we're going through? Or we can get excited about looking for the good, and we yeah. did. We found the good, and it's just mm. an amazing moment because two of our granddaughters were in the car, mm. and Tina was able to use it as teaching and instruction of hearing did she? and looking for good. Uh, I mean... Those are, those are the ways that we live life as kingdom people. It, it's just different. It's abundant mindset, right? Totally abundant Instead of feeling mindset. like money's running away from me, time's running away from me, right? Yeah. I'm no, being ripped off. I'm indebted. Me. Yeah. Having an abundant, that it's coming, it's coming back, it's being restored, harvest, right? Yes. Let me and, ask you a question. I want to ask you one more question, Pastor Louis, because I've been hearing now in, in this down the, this low gear time I've been through, and this I've been exposed to a new layer of teaching on time, taking like mastery over time, redeeming time. I think is the way the New Testament would say it, even though this person I, I don't I don't recall them using that phrase. You know, in Ephesians it talks about redeeming time. Sure, Op, it's like optimizing a kairos moment or season. A lot of us struggle with time. It feels like it's always running away from us, like it's running out. It feels like money, you know? Yeah. It can feel like money's going away from me, time's going away from me, energy's going away from me. It feels like, <laughs> it's really a, like a scarcity mindset, I guess. I don't know, but what are your thoughts about that? I don't know, this is just mm -hmm. an initial question about it, but can we, like for example, a set time, like today is the day of salvation. Or in Psalms 118, I was reading it this morning, it says that this is the day the Lord has made. In the verses around it, it says that, G that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Yeah. And this is the day the Lord has made. We will be glad and rejoice in it. And, and we, we, we see. So looking like for the activity of God in time or, but what is it? I hear you. Instead of always thinking it's going to yeah. happen in the future. No, yeah, what yeah. about now? Yeah. What about today? What I, about I this think, week? I think you have to get to a point, and this is what I'm striving to do, is I live in the moment. Time for me is right this moment. This is my time. And I don't have to anticipate. I can plan for the future, and, and rightly so. I can learn from my past, rightly so. But I live for the moment. And it's so exciting because I never know what's going to unfold next because God is full of surprises and full of assignments and full of provision and full of goodness and on and on and on I could go. So it's the anticipation of the now. We, we often neglect because we're so preoccupied with what happened. And we're looking back. Looking back. Yeah. Or... Oh my gosh, I can't believe I got to do all these things. Looking forward. Looking forward. Yeah. That we miss the or moment. Or I'm believing for this someday. Yeah. Another way, you know. Missing the moment that yeah. you're in, it is spectacular. I mean, it's, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I feel that I'm in the perfect place with God at the right time. I'm not looking at my watch. I'm not concerned about what I have to do the rest of the day. I'm mindful of the things I have responsibility for, but I'm enjoying this moment 100%. My time and my effort is focused 
right here. So I think that is a discipline you have to learn to realize. Yeah. Part of kingdom uh, but crafting, right? our world right? is not crafted that way. Our world is created. I just think that with the future and past, uh, it's an obsession of rushing and being driven and stolen yeah. from. And you feel like you're being stolen from. That's why people are always late for church. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just a, it's just the way it is. Eighty percent of the people don't come in after it starts. <laughs> However, it's if you crazy. were to go to, you wouldn't be late for a movie, would you? <laughs> yeah, if you go to the Playhouse Square, people are there a half hour before oh, yeah, the production begins. Oh yeah, you better believe begins. they are. Yeah, because you paid for it, of course. Yeah, but. It's, we all run late uh, because we're all trying to catch up with plans that maybe God didn't even make. Okay. And it's wearing us thin. I mean, I feel like if we feel like we're indebted to time, it's, it's similar to being indebted to money. Sure. To, to debt, rather. You know, financial yeah. debt, time debt, energy debt. We feel like we're a slave and we're being driven and we're indebted. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and that is just not kingdom. No, I don't it think can't it be. is. I don't think it is. I, I think, you know, there's a good theological discussion about Jesus when his best friend died, Lazarus. Yeah. The <laughs> disciples were like, dude, we got to get there, you know. And Jesus said, relax. We'll maybe go tomorrow. <laughs> he was totally what? a master of time. Yeah, what? Go tomorrow? Yeah. No, he's sick. We got to get there now. And then what did the, the ladies say? They said, if you'd have been here. Yeah. If you'd have just got here earlier, if you'd have just followed the timetable, then Jesus said, I don't need the timetable. Mm-hmm. Neither do you and neither does Lazarus. And he demonstrated it for yeah. us. Yeah. It was really cool. Jerry's daughter, too, right? I mean, she's dying, and then this woman interrupts the whole time schedule. Interruptions. Jesus heals her. Then she dies. The girl dies. But still, she's raised from the dead. Yeah, but what did Jesus say, man? Think about it. Here's this whole interruption. The guy comes, a servant of Jairus comes. Yeah, that's right. Hey, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. Now, you and I, I could have kicked the sand. I could have pushed Jesus. I don't know what I would have done. I would have maybe yelled at the woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. But what did Jesus do? He turned around. He looked at him. He said, only believe. Only believe. Don't think about anything else. Don't let the factors of time and what these others have just said alter our journey together. These are great kingdom. We are on a journey together with Jesus and all of these other outside influences, time-factored experiences are irrelevant. I think, yeah. our belief in our journey with Jesus, it's going to come to pass. And that's a restful place to be. It's a peaceful place. It is. Be. It is. And I think it would really frustrate the, the demons <laughs> if, if we would live there. Yeah, for sure. You know? And that's just a good thought right there, right? Yeah, that's a great thought. Well, Pastor Louis, I, I really thank you for your time. And would you would you mind praying over those who will hear this initially and down the line and pray over our conversation, sure. things you've shared? I, I just think that'd be great. I think it's been a wonderful experience. I want to say thank you. Father, we do pray for every listener now because it's not a grouping of people. It's an individual that we're talking about right now. And the Lord knows you and hears your cry, knows where you are this very moment and all that's happening around you. Whatever distraction has surfaced, whatever disruption has echoed in your hearing, the Lord appears even now and says, peace, 
mm -hmm. be with you. Mm. And I just speak that right now to every person listening. Peace. Peace be with you. And Lord, that we might become craftsmen of your kingdom, that we might hear your voice, that we might follow your example, and that in the days ahead, we might transition, Father, from one level of glory to another yeah. level of glory. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Focusing on things that are eternal and not on the temporal. Father, lift our sights higher and help us to create such an acute sensitivity of hearing that we'll know your nudgings, your promptings, your revealings, that we might live daily in the wisdom and revelation of your holy word. Thank you, Father, for this moment. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The fascinating thing that Jesus said, he said, be careful what you hear. And in another instance, he also said, be careful how you hear. What did he mean? You want to hear the gold. You want to listen to high order kingdom input, kingdom heralding into your life. Be careful what you hear. Don't dilute it down with inferior inputs, whether it's from, I'm going to say, whether it's from the quote unquote church world, and certainly whether it's from this world system, there's a lot there to filter out in the world system, of course. Jesus also talked about how you hear. He at least had to mean hear with faith. I think in Hebrews, it says the word they heard, the Israelites back in the wilderness, it did not profit them because it was not united with faith in their heart. We can't receive kingdom seed, the seed of God's kingdom word, like on the surface of our prefrontal cortex. It has to drop into the resonance of our heart deeper, and it has to be united with faith in our heart by revelation, by wisdom, by understanding. And then we begin to lean in that direction practically. We begin to move out and begin to move in that space, move in that word. And James, James talked about receive the word implanted. There it is. That's what we need. Not just a surface word or a thinking word, but an implanted word that's able to save our soul, save our life. Not just to go to heaven. Sozo, wholeness, salvation, prosperity, healing, reconciliation, that full comprehensive Sozo, that Greek word translated as salvation, it's like the shalom of God in the Old Testament, consummate, complete wholeness and salvation. Well, we appreciate you. Thank you, Pastor and Dr. Louis F. Kayatin, for this tremendous conversation. I know it's benefiting people already. It will continue to benefit people now and down the line. Appreciate you. You can visit JesusSmart.com to see the show notes page for this episode. We'll have links there. Sign up to receive a free weekly email for next level ideas and practice to advance as a Christ follower. We're all developing. We're all seeking to be on the grow. We, we believe we live in important times. We want to position ourselves to harmonize with Jesus' story and his plan for our lives. As always, with Jesus, our horizon is smart. Find your storyline in the royal narrative. Make it a smart week. All the best until next time. <laughs>